In the Revised Common Lectionary, which we've been following this summer, our reading today comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. The people from Gaul were ferocious Celtic warriors who were not Jewish. It seems like some Jewish Christians were insisting that the Galatians must be circumcised and adopt the Jewish way of life by doing the works of the law in order to share in the blessing of Israel's Messiah. This letter becomes one of the most significant writings of the New Testament because of Paul's teaching on justification by faith. They are no longer under the law. They were led by the Spirit, who enabled them to fulfill the law through the love commandment. Here now the reading from the fifth chapter of Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against, again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point us to the word made flesh, Jesus our Lord. Amen. You guys may know that I am a visual learner, which is why I create a slideshow when I preach. So for those of you who enjoy this or who it helps you to connect to the sermon through words and through images, it's for you. And for those of you who don't need it, thank you for indulging us that it helps. So we are only days away from parades on the street and in the water, from wearing and waving our red, white, and blue, from watching the night skies come alive with fountains of sparkling lights, to eating grilled hamburgers and potato salad with family and friends, and 
to hear some wonderful patriotic songs that usually make me cry. Never quite sure if that's a lump or a hot dog caught in my throat. By some dumb luck, I was born in the greatest nation on the earth. I could have been born in North Korea or Iraq or Venezuela. But instead, as a white female who was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and raised in Big Fork, Montana, I won the geography lottery, enjoying the beauty of four seasons in the Flathead Valley with the Rocky Mountains and Glacier National Park in my backyard. There is one word that categorizes this victory for me, and I suppose for you, privilege, of course, but even more fundamental is that word that Lee Greenwood has been crooning about since 1984. Take a look. If tomorrow all the things were gone, work for all my life, and I had to start again, just my children and my wife. Thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Who at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today, cause there ain't no doubt I love this land, God bless the USA. Freedom. The freedom we enjoy as Americans has been hard fought with lives lost and sacrifices made. And we never want to forget or take that for granted. As you know, the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And lest we forget how imperfect we are as a people and as a nation, remember the Emancipation Proclamation that officially freed the slaves wasn't signed until 83 years later, after another bloody war with pain still lingering. So not exactly all men or women are created equal or have enjoyed the same freedom. In her book, Something Beautiful, Gloria Gaither tells the story behind the song, Let Freedom Ring. She writes, on the national news, there was a story about a young African-American police officer whose associates at the department met him one morning on duty, dressed in the hooded garb of the Ku Klux Klan. Even women on the office staff and other department employees joined in to taunt and to frighten him. The prank went on for a long time before they told him it was a joke and had him pose for pictures with them all in their costumes of discrimination. On the news, this handsome young father was being interviewed by a reporter about the incident. How did you react, the reporter asked. He said, I was terrified on the inside, 
but all I could think to do was smile. When I got home, I sobbed like a child. Later, fearing reprimands and wanting to take back the photos they gave him, the offenders threatened the officer. Gaither writes, as I watched this young man trying to process such a deep and ugly violation by those he thought he knew, by those who served with him day by day under an oath to uphold justice, I felt powerful emotions rising within me. I felt anger at the indignity of the violation of so many of the codes that hold any decent society together. I felt deep sadness at the breaking of the human spirit and the robbery of the self-respect of a fellow human being. I felt brokenness in my soul as I saw his pain and realized that all of us are capable of hurting each other deeply. Listen to a few lines of her song, Let Freedom Ring. God built freedom into every fiber of creation, and he meant for us to all be free and whole. Let freedom ring wherever minds know what it means to be in chains. Let freedom ring wherever hearts know pain. Let freedom echo through the lonely streets where prisons have no key. We can be free and we can sing, let freedom ring. In just under one year of the signing of the, de of the Declaration, the Continental Congress passed in an act establishing an official flag for the new nation, inspiring songs and allegiance. The Star-Spangled Banner was written in 1814 by Francis Scott Key, which became our national anthem in 1931, more than a hundred years after it was composed. And we think that the church moves slowly. In honor of Pastor Steve, I have to add that the debut of the Star-Spangled Banner at a sporting event was September 1918 during the first World Series game between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Just kidding. It was between the Chicago Cubs and the Boston Red Sox. Sorry, Steve, no Cardinals there. In August 1892, originally with hopes that it would be used by citizens in any country, Francis Bellamy wrote, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In 1923, the words, my flag, were changed to the flag of the United States of America. And then in 1954, in response to the communist threat at the Times, President Eisenhower encouraged Congress to add the words, under God, creating the 31-word pledge that we say today. As I wrestle with the tension of the pride, the power, and the privilege of being an American juxtaposed against the poor and the oppressed of the world, I think that the last phrase of the Pledge of Allegiance, with liberty and justice for all, speaks biblical wisdom into the blessing and the responsibility of freedom. There's an interesting music video called Freedom by Pharrell Williams. In the video, Pharrell sings and dances in various locations where freedom is stifled, whether it's a sweatshop, a work camp, 
or locations that show how conformity handcuffs our freedom of expression and individuality. The song has a great beat, and it's kind of funky. Not really my genre of music, but there was something about it that captured my imagination, especially the lyrics when we're thinking about our freedom and our responsibility as Christians in the world. And you'll see the whole set of lyrics in your bulletin. But it begins like this. Hold on to me. Don't let me go. Who cares what they see? Who cares what they know? Your first name is free. Last name is Dom. We choose to believe in where we come from. Mind, use your power. Spirit, use your wings. Pharrell repeats the phrase, hold on to me, don't let me go. These lines allude to our basic Christian mission to serve and be served. It's a great reminder of how we are all connected and how we all need each other. He sings, we choose to believe in where we come from. This is a beautiful paradox. To choose to believe in that which we do not know is to have faith. To choose to follow Christ, to choose love, is freedom. It's an invitation to an abundant life. Later in the song, he also mentions everyday miracles to savor, like when a baby first breathes, when night sees sunrise. And then he adds this wonderful phrase, kingdom, because you still believe in everyone as in the kingdom of God is here when there is liberty and justice for all. Freedom. Freedom as a child of God. Freedom as in being able to worship and believe. Freedom as in we are connected and we are here to serve and be in solidarity and kinship with one another. The letter to the Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian freedom. In the first verse, we read, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This yoke of slavery is the Jewish law. Paul is saying to the Gentiles, Christ has freed you from the law because the heart of Christian freedom is love. If we are led by the Spirit, we are not subject to the law. St. Augustine summed up this thought with the phrase, love God and do what you like. You see, it's the power of love and not the constraint of the law that will keep us right. For love is always more powerful than law. The true meaning of love is found in the freedom to give yourself away. That's what Christian freedom is. We are free but our freedom loves its neighbor as itself. Love insists on our shared humanity. Christian love demands justice for all. The prophet Micah asks, what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. The moving and the stirring of the spirit in us and between us is what guides us to respond with love and kindness to others. To walk by the Spirit entails a genuine decision, a free choice that we get to make every single day. Freedom 
an invitation to an abundant life. As Christians, we are called to entrust ourselves to the Spirit, to God's activity in the world. As Americans, we are especially poised to respond. We just need a simple openness to God's power to redeem and transform. And we must never underestimate what the Spirit is able to produce in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ask for it. Be open to it. I once read of a little boy who had a fruit tree just outside of his bedroom window, and he loved that tree. He would climb out of his window, and he would sit on the branches just to think and imagine. Sometimes he would climb down the tree as part of his adventure. One day, his father told him that he was going to chop down that fruit tree because it hadn't borne any fruit in years. That evening, the boy and his friend bought a bushel full of apples, and during the night, they tied those apples onto every barren branch. The next morning, the husband was astonished, and he said to his wife, Honey, I can't believe it. That old tree hasn't yielded any fruit in years, and now it's covered in apples. The little boy was beaming. He couldn't contain his delight. And then his dad said, The most amazing thing is that it's a pear tree. <laughs> Just as the fruit tree only bears one particular fruit, did you notice that there's only one singular fruit of the Spirit? There are many works of the flesh listed that are life-draining and that erode community, but the fruit of the Spirit is a cohesive and unified character that the Spirit can produce in each one of us with love at the very top. When we were in Nicaragua a couple of weeks ago on our mission trip, a young life leader named Kenneth was preparing us for a prayer walk into an impoverished neighborhood at Matagalpa where they were trying to start a new club. When kids and young adults accept Christ, they follow him with their whole lives. The Spirit moves within that Christian community as they try to conquer their addictions, stay in school while strengthening family values of healthy parenting and thriving marriages. Kenneth showed us a drawing of his leadership tree with the names of a few kids that he was praying for and having Bible study with and conversations so that he could prepare them to be young life leaders in this neighborhood. As part of his devotion with us, he read us the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. This rough neighborhood is called La Bolsa, which means bag. La Bolsa is actually a derogatory name referring to the neighborhood as the trash bag of the city, a dirty place where people are disposable. <clears throat> we were told that often police officers would not even venture up into this neighborhood even if they were chasing lawbreakers. So La Bolsa became a place where robbers and drug dealers could escape to, a place so undesirable, even the law enforcement avoided it. As we walked up the hill, we saw dilapidated shacks, we saw young men high on drugs, and even a dog dying in the street. It felt utterly hopeless. 
Before we left for the prayer walk, Kenneth pulled a bolsa out of his pocket. It was about the size of a sandwich baggie. He had each one of us, three of us, grab just a scrap of paper out of the bag. And then we read what was printed on it. One person read Lionel and another Marcus. On my scrap of paper, it said Mariella. These are the kids who live in the neighborhood, the ones that he is discipling and developing into young life leaders, the ones who want to start a young life club in what seems like a God-forsaken place. After we read the names aloud, Kenneth said, this is the fruit. As Americans, with our first allegiance to Christ, with an openness to the spirit and the abundant life, we truly can live into the privilege and the freedom, which means liberty and justice for all.